Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody, to this fresh drop of the Turkey Call All Access podcast, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. This week, we're catching up with Aaron Warburton of the Hunting Public. We're going to talk about uh, the hunting public. We're going to talk about ticks and tick prevention as we all head into the field, getting ready. Some of you are in there now, and the rest of us are, are mere weeks, days away. We're going to discuss, like I said, tick prevention, why that matters to you long-term in your life, and and, and some of the nasty stuff these creepy crawlies carry within their little unholy bodies and pass on to us. (laughs) Um, We're going to do all that. 90 seconds, guys. Listen to the ads. It's important. we got good people taking care of us here. We appreciate their support. Plus, there's good information about what we're doing on our side of the house. 90 seconds. Let's go. Signing up for that NWTF membership for the first time or renewing? The time is now, guys. We have three great offers for you. Currently, we are offering the Mossy Oak Bottomland Cooler, the NWTF Trunk Organizer. Recently, we are offering the Hat and Knife Combo. Head to our Facebook and Instagram. Check out those great offers. You can sign up through those links on those posts for the one, two, or three items you want. You can get them all if you'd like. If you're currently a member and it's not time to renew, go ahead and sign up and extend that membership. You can get the gift of your choice. Like I said, all three are a great option. They're fine pieces. Go to our socials now. Sign up, renew, extend. Thanks for your support. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? If not, pause this podcast, head there now. You're feeling inspired. You need a new hat, a new t-shirt. We got everything there, all the freshest gear for the NWTF member, the NWTF fan. We got a new collection of hats, folks. Go there, check them out now. New men's and ladies collections coming for the fall. That's shop.nwtf.org. Go there for all your lifestyle NWTF gear and more accessories, kids stuff. We got you covered going into the holiday season. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there now. Well, this is our NWTF podcast, uh, Turkey Call All Access. Aaron, oh, let me say the last name right. War Britain. I got it right? That's right. Perfect. Yep, that's hunting right. hunting public. Um, so Sawyer reached out to us, wanted to have an opportunity to talk about ticks and tick prevention and safety, but we'll say that to the end. We'll pay the bills at the end. I want to hear more about uh, you guys, the hunting public, for those uh, that are, aren't in the know, who you guys are, where you started, how you your 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 rise to fame, if you will, uh, in the hunting space, and and you know what you guys are all about. Uh, we're just a bunch of average dudes that have grown up hunting public land and small properties on permission for the most part. No, yeah. um, we just we're no different than your average, you know, whitetail or turkey hunter which is what, you know, the majority of hunters are in the U S. Um, I, the only difference, I guess you could say with us is that we know how to make videos. Yeah. That's where, that's where we've, we've spent a tremendous amount of time learning and trying to, you know, hone our skills over the years is how, how to produce, you know, online web video content that's digestible and valuable and educational for the viewers. So that's kind of, that's where the hunting public came from anyway. It's just a group of guys that all had a background in video and all of us, like I said, are just your average, average Joes, if you will. Um, and we wanted to create uh, hunting content that represented the general public that hunts. Mm-hmm. So we figured we'd just call it the hunting public and that's how, that's how it sort of came to be. We've been around since 2017 and, uh, yeah, like like I said though, before that we we all had a background in video. We all worked for, you know, other businesses within the 
hunting industry, including Midwest Whitetail, and learned a tremendous amount about web video production through those years there before we started the hunting public. Yeah. It's not such a an easy thing to to break into, right? I mean, number one, the the space is so niche and competitive, but even to do what you guys are doing, I mean, it's the way the way it's built and the way people look at it, it's like, oh, everyone can go out here and do this. And and to an extent, I think so, but for the quality and what you guys are doing, like like you said, you know, there's a background there and, you know, I, I, you know, not just anyone can go out there and do this. So it, you guys are ordinary in so far as your, your philosophies and how you go about hunting, but you guys got a skill set and that's not to, you know, be diminished. It's, it's an art, uh, the storytelling and especially with the way we go about it with digital media. And, uh, I, you know, not just anyone can just throw their phone out there and put good content out and, and expect to, you know, do something with it. The way you guys do it is, is very well done. And I, I still continue to be blown away with how YouTube has had this, this renaissance, if you will, of, of coming back around and being the most relevant digital uh, video space on the planet. Um, because for a while there, you know, when it came out early on, it was it was what it was. And then it kind of faded away with all the different social platforms. But now, I mean, that's that's for guys like the hunt in public and, and others are have, you know, taken to to, to tell their stories and, and do their business. Yeah, YouTube is an interesting space. It's a global communication platform like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of those. So it's it's just like that in kind of the social media sense. But it's given us the it it's got pros and cons to it. As you know, when you're a global platform, you've got to appease people all over the world. So some cultures and some countries may not be a fan of hunting. Mm. And that all sort of goes into the algorithm and whatnot in the back, in the background. So for the time being, hunting is still acceptable on YouTube and, uh, they still encourage people to put hunting content up on it. So long as it's done, you know, legally and ethically, but, uh, that's one of the hurdles that we constantly kind of have to jump over, um, is just it being a global communication platform that has rules and restrictions that are constantly changing. With that said, everybody knows YouTube, including lots of of the younger generation like kids. So for hunting to continue on into the future, I mean, kids nowadays are using that platform all the time. All the time. Yeah, for entertainment and education. So we felt like this is our ability to mentor, if you will, the next generation of, of youth hunters that are coming up through our ranks right now this is the best one of the best places to be to do that because that the kids are already on there they're already on there watching a gaming channel or mr beast or whatever it is (laughs) so when they when they're running through their feed if they catch on to some hunting content Mm. i think that's a positive thing for the future of hunting no, for sure. And you got to go to, to where they're at, you know, the same thing with this platform here and in podcasting, uh, with this, yep. we, we've been doing this like you since 2017, uh, when, when it was just really coming into its own and, um, you know, where, where it is now, you know, five, almost six years later is, it's just, you couldn't have predicted it, you know? Right. It's just, it's crazy, that's but right. you got to go to where they're at, like you said, and that's hang with them there, learn it, and then, uh, be able to to do exactly what you said, mentor virtually, tell your stories, um, you know, and not have to, you know, sign yourself up for every hunter education course that's in your backyard. <laughs> and that's all good too, yeah. but man, you're, you're, you're casting a broad net and it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Are you guys all yeah, based we out of the same area or where is everybody from? Um, I'm originally from Missouri. Zach's from Ohio. Jake's from Wisconsin. Greg's from Nebraska. But for the last several years, we've all we all met in Iowa, mm-hmm. um, and that's where me and Ted and Jake live currently. Um, Greg had just moved from Iowa. He actually is moving to South Dakota right now, Rapid City, with his wife. And Zach lives in Colorado, so we're kind of all over the place. You mm. know, um, we're we're from different parts of the world, but all have that uh, sort of thing in common where we're just average hunters that grew up hunting public and small tracks of private on permission. But yeah, we, we just, uh, 
right now we're we're kind of all over the place and for the most part that's how we live yeah, yeah. i mean we're always on that we're always on the road i'm dry i drive at least six seven hours a week you know averaged out yeah. throughout the the year so um, I possibly more than that. I know, especially during uh, turkey seasons here recently, you guys have, I mean, like you said, you're all over the place and you're in my neck of the woods in, in Maine. Um, you know, talk about that to our audience because it's often one of the biggest questions, you know, turkey centric, of course, is, is all the land use rules and things like that. And where you guys, I think you guys are a great resource for that. And what you do, you, you're almost, I would say by this point, subject matter experts at, all the states probably, um, you know, when it, when it comes to finding that public land outside of New England and a, and a couple other states, like it's it's hard to do if, you know, if you just can't roll into a place and just and just go walk on it. And so much so many of these states are, are privately held now. Um, you know what, what? I guess speak to that and then, you know, follow that up with, you know, what are some of the more challenging states and areas you guys have, have gotten into but found success? Uh, yeah, it's all over the board, man. I mean, you could, you can go to some states that have got a tremendous amount of access opportunities that got, you know, good populations of turkeys. And if you hit it right, it can be phenomenal hunting on public land or even private land that's, you know, leased by the state for hunting access. There's all kinds of different programs and stuff that these states have, but you know, there's, there's some states, I mean, like where I live, um, Iowa is ranks down at the very bottom out of the 50 states for amount of public land. Mm. And uh, we still have some pretty good hunting. It's just you got to drive further. You got to drive further to find it. Um, whereas if you go to a state in contrast, like a PA, there's tons of public land really all over the state mm. or a Michigan. There's lots of public land all over. Um, whereas in Iowa, we've got it, but it's smaller parcels and they're spaced out further across the state. So you got to spend more time, you know, staring at a windshield to get to some stuff you can hunt unless you hunt private on permission. But it really varies across the board as far as land access and that sort of thing. Um, and every single state's got different regulations for it. I mean, it down to even the individual parcels. Yeah. Some areas you, you have to have special permits to hunt on. Um, some areas, you know, public land is public land and you can waltz in there and buy a tag and be good to go. But it's, it's constant. I mean, we're always in the reg books yeah. at what we have to do in order to hunt these areas. And yeah, it's, it's never ends. It's always lots and lots of time sitting right here, staring at a computer that people never see. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important to know, right? Because, you know, that's, that's the fickle thing about, uh, uh, video entertainment, well, any of this, right. Is like, it's, it's condensed down to this very small amount of time, but people, you know, it's that, it's that, that iceberg diagram, right? Like they're seeing this, that all the work that went on sub, subsurface like it's just it's hours of research and 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 physical uh movement and getting there and i gotta imagine um with the economic downturns and the spike in gas prices like that's just another added challenge i know it stopped me halfway through my turkey season here in new england Uh, i was gonna make another trip back over to vermont uh with my buddy over there and i was just like this is gonna cost me over a hundred dollars round trip for one day and i was like nah (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm sure if you if you figured it up and i haven't we probably lost money this last spring yeah um for sure i mean for number one turkeys are you know they're a very niche uh i would say hobby if you will yeah um turkey hunting so there's on youtube there's not a ton of people that are watching it uh in, when compared to other things like elk or mule deer or whitetails but this spring with the way gas was it for sure, you know, gas plus all those non-resident tag prices and everything, yeah. we probably are losing money, but that we don't care. I mean, we, we love the turkey. Hunt. Sure. Sure. We sure. Start, <laughs> we didn't start going out and filming turkey hunts to try to make a bunch of money yeah. off of it. We just <laughs> yeah. did that because that's what we love to do. Yeah. And that's just, you know, let the chips fall where they may yeah. be on that. But if I'm, if I'm broke someday living in a tent somewhere, I'm still going to be 
traveling to hunt turkeys. Yeah, no if doubt. I possibly can. I'll get. I'll buy a bicycle or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I knew. I know some people with with shows on television that that had to call audibles as well. I had a few people coming up here um, because of our our you know per capita we have some of the most public land in the union uh here in new england especially the top three states and they were coming and then like three days out they're like bro to drive from the south to come up here it's we're 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 over our heads in it and we're we're gonna cancel which was a bummer because it would have been great to see folks and always an excuse to get out with more people right when your tags have already been filled and, and you continue to go hunting uh, but you you got to got to be able to live too right <laughs> so oh yeah i mean i we spent three or four thousand dollars on fuel just to go to to colorado for five uh, days and back oof, and that was you know between a few guys driving their vehicles out there but yeah <laughs> it doesn't take long for the gas bill to step to stack up when it's approaching four dollars a gallon and you're driving a you know a truck that gets 15 miles a gallon yes sir but I know that. Yeah, that's just part of it. And again, you know, when we I think about this line of, of reasoning and then you go in, which leads me to barriers for entry, right? Especially here at the Federation, we're constantly trying to solve for that through our R3 efforts. And, you know, what are what are some of the biggest barriers for entry into into turkey hunting, into hunting at all? Um, and you have your standard void fillers but then like you have these weird covid years and then you have the result of an economy coming out of that and like you know you can't i don't think people can really predict it i mean you can you can maybe forecast some stuff but not like this like no one saw five dollar gallon gas it's like well they're just it's just one more barrier i mean that's affecting everybody right not just turkey hunters but for us, as we're trying to bring people into the space and bring people into the tradition like you going to a younger generation, not only is, is the gear arduous and the tags for non-resident, if you want to travel or even in your own backyard, like just to get into it can be uh, an economic commitment. And then just to ride around like, oh, my gosh, that's just that's just one other thing that I got to solve for. Yeah, I don't know what the landscape will bring here in the next couple of years. We're definitely in uncharted territory. With COVID and all no. the, with the economic stuff that's happened since, I mean, who knows what we'll be looking like, you know, in four or five years down the road, but we just gotta, gotta keep going with the flow and adjusting on the fly. That's all you can do. Yeah. Well, it, you know, so it allows us to keep telling our story as well in a different way. And I imagine for, for professional storytellers like yourselves that, it, it, it can probably be a little daunting, but also create some excitement too. Like, okay, so we have these challenges in our way where we're the everyday blue collar hunter, you know, how do we go about telling that story? What's our strategy going into 23 and 24? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah. Um, we're not going to as much as many places like this last spring. We did kind of like what you were saying. We called audibles and we, we didn't travel quite as much as we normally would. We spent, more time in the areas that we were hunting uh we also bought l fewer tags because some of the areas we were hunting in had got population issues mm -hmm. so we didn't or well, i mean we bought the statewide license but then we didn't harvest you know our full bag we yep. would go to a state if there'd be four or five of us that went to a state maybe one or two of us would get a license and we would try to we try to harvest one or two birds if possible and as you know, public land can be daunting. So especially if you're in a new area, sometimes it might take three, four, five, six days before you really get into them. Um, so that's more what we did this past spring is we just traveled to fewer states yeah. and we spent more time in them. You know, we spent more time hunting around home, spent more time taking kids and taking other people than uh, we have in the past. And it was awesome. We had a great spring. Um, we're going to be doing the same thing again this fall. We're kind of condensing down the number of places that we travel for the time being. Yeah. Uh, just, to, just to narrow our focus a bit and, uh, yeah, not be running around the country so much with the way that gas is and everything. So, uh, so two important thoughts just, just come right out of that line of thinking, right? Uh, you know, one, um, bringing it local again and, and reappreciating and rediscovering your backyard with, with different people. Right. Uh, but the other more important thing that you said was that self-discipline, 
and this is a drum I beat constantly, is that just because it's available to you, just because, for instance, in Maine, you can take five birds in the fall, doesn't mean you probably should. Right. Especially in areas like you, you guys as a team have identified and, and we well know of these challenged areas throughout the country with population decline that just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's even like you said, that's just remarkable that you got five guys with a TV show, with a with a strong business, with a strong cult like following five guys go in there with five tags or more. And you responsibly amongst the five, you decide one or two. That's good. We'll we'll get what we need here. And have that self-discipline and those, you know, the, 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 putting that on yourself to say, we're, we're going to do this responsibly. I think that's remarkable. And that's a that's a fantastic message and, and you know, a philosophy that I, I wish more people would would adopt. And it's not all about a body count. Go into that as well and, and talk about that, you know, for you guys. Yeah, anymore, man. I, we want to be out there every single day, just like, you know, any other diehard turkey hunter. But I, we did, we're more focused on just going there and having a good experience, you know, not, not just from the turkey hunting aspect, but having a good experience, meeting some of the locals or, or in most places that we travel, we know people that are within an hour or two of where we're hunting yep. just because we've been traveling and doing this for so long. You know, we've met a lot, a ton of friends over the years, just going to those places and getting to hang out with them because those are people that you don't get to see that often, you know, sharing camp with your buddies and then obviously going out there and hunting turkeys, which is what we all love to do. But at the end of the day, the way I look at it, like, man, I've been fortunate enough already to travel around and hunt these things and shoot a pile of them. Yeah. Um, if I've got to give up, you know, half the birds that I would normally kill in a spring so that, a young kid or something like that can go out there and have a good experience. I'm willing to do that for sure. You know, I don't, I don't have to, at at this point, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the bloodthirsty, you know, trigger puller that I probably was 10, 10 years ago where I was just like mad at him, (laughs) you know, but, (laughs) um, at this point I, I just enjoy the experience more than anything else. It's like kind of all aspects of it not just shooting the bird, but I mean, even I love filming them Yeah, um, and getting really cool footage of, of turkeys just behaving out there. Um, so it, there's a number of different ways you can enjoy it. And that's, that's one thing we found is when you're with your buddies, it doesn't matter if you got, if you've got 10 tags or one tag, as long as you're out there, you know, participating in that activity itself, everybody's having a good time and it's all good. Signing up for that NWTF membership for the first time or renewing? The time is now, guys. We have three great offers for you. Currently, we are offering the Mossy Oak Bottomland Cooler, the NWTF Trunk Organizer. Recently, we are offering the Hat and Knife Combo. Head to our Facebook and Instagram. Check out those great offers. You can sign up through those links on those posts for the one, two, or three items you want. You can get them all if you'd like. If you're currently a member and it's not time to renew, go ahead and sign up and extend that membership. You can get the gift of your choice. Like I said, all three are a great option. They're fine pieces. Go to our socials now. Sign up, renew, extend. Thanks for your support. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? If not, pause this podcast, head there now. You're feeling inspired. You need a new hat, a new t-shirt. We got everything there, all the freshest gear for the NWTF member, the NWTF fan. We got a new collection of hats, folks. Go there, check them out now. New men's and ladies collections coming for the fall. That's shop.nwtf.org. Go there for all your lifestyle NWTF gear and more accessories, kid stuff. We got you covered going into the Going into the holiday season, shop.nwtf.org. Go there now. 
it's it's a level of you know, it's, it's, it's the maturation of the turkey hunter, right? If you know, if you are self-described turkey junkie, you're an avid turkey hunter. You get to this level, and it's and it's funny. It's kind of cliche at this point because you hear it so often. It's said by different personalities. You read it in Tom Kelly's book. You read it in other writers' books. Yeah. That you get to this point where it's it's not about. Like you said, it's not about being mad at, although I think we still tend to be mad at, I could be a hundred years old with a turkey gun and still be pissed off at a bird, right? But in a, in a different way, it's, it's, you start forgetting about how many you've, you've taken, how many tags you've filled. And it's just, it just becomes these moments, these memories, these moments in time. And, And often, you know, it's not about you even doing the trigger pulling. It's who you're with or who you've introduced or who you've mentored and you've carried them through uh, their own maturation in becoming a turkey hunter or just a hunter. Uh, you see them in yeah. the fall outside of the spring and they're like, hey, Aaron, I, I went and set my tree stand up for the first time. You know, I took some tips and that that's the, the give back right to yourself. And that's you get to that level and you start pining for that and even more to a more narrowed in uh vision i hear this from you videographers and and all the time you guys that get behind the lens and do it for a living and you hone your craft in and become real artists in it i I, it's it's very common to hear like i'd rather shoot them this way than shoot them this way yeah and i think toxie said it best not too long ago he said uh you know anymore he's more worried about having turkeys than killing turkeys that's right and if more people have that especially in today's day and age where we've got some population issues in places and turkeys are facing a bunch of challenges a lot of challenges that they weren't facing 15 20 years ago or maybe it's the same challenges they're just magnified now or we can see the effects of them but he he said if more people focused on having them than killing them, the turkey would be much better off. And honestly, turkey hunting in general would be better off as well. Yeah. And I agree with that. Um, you know, we don't have a very big property in Missouri, but my grandpa bought our family farm back in the seventies. It's a little over a hundred acres. And, uh, the last couple of years, I've just have either went taking family members there or with this, this spring, I took a youth hunter up there. And he got a bird. Um, but we've only the last couple of years have been we've been purposely trying to take two or fewer gobblers every spring off of the farm. And we spent way more time digging into turkey habitat and things like that with burning. We actually were just there last weekend. We hired a guy with a mulcher that does uh, habitat work for deer and turkeys. And he came out and he cut in our fire breaks for us and and uh you know, went through and and cut down about three acres of old overgrown pasture that is basically useless to a turkey now. Mm -hmm. But, um, well, not now. I mean, it was before he went through there. Now that he went through there, it's going to be, it's going to be excellent habitat. So I'm, I'm starting to get really interested in that aspect of things. Um, and I think moving forward, we're going to keep that mindset there on the farm. But anyway, I thought when Toxie said that, that really, struck a chord with me that makes a lot of sense if you're fortunate enough to have a piece of dirt that you can call your own that's yours i mean the ability to go out there and do that is it's it's just a heck of a thing it's it's a freedom uh in a sense that you know cuz cuz talks about this when it comes to trapping you know he's got his own property he'll go out there and put out a bunch of dog proofs and catch a bunch of raccoons and he'll t- you know he tells me about how he's noticed population so he has that that command and control over his area and and he can see results same thing with you you know being able to go in and recognize there's this potential in this plot of land and to go in and and do cuts and do burns and understand the science behind that i mean we just we come out of our um our turkey, our wild turkey symposium down in Asheville, North Carolina, back in June. It was a phenomenal three days to sit there and listen to the brightest minds in turkey conservation and research talk about the whys and the hows and, and all the scientific backing uh, for for fire, for cuts, and and how this is done responsibly. And then and you know, like you guys, just every like you said, your everyday guys going out there and and putting those those practices to work. That's awesome because that means that message is getting out. And then for you guys to have your platform and, and tell the story in that way, you know, it's not just it's not just 
suits from the NWTF pushing a narrative. It's not just, I know, a Mike Chamberlain or a Dr. Uh, Brett Collier that do this uh, as a job saying this, you know, it's, it's you guys, you guys are telling the stories. You're the storytellers. You're the ones that are going to help perpetuate this stuff. And then, like you said, bring up that next generation to, it's not like this aha moment. This is just part of it. Wouldn't it be great if we got to that point where a generation of turkey hunters and, and, and hunters just understood this as a matter of fact. It's not just go out in August preseason scout or go out in, in April or March and preseason scout, go out, kill your thing and, and then be done. See you in 10 months. Right. Yeah. There's, there's lots more that we could be doing. Um, and it's very rewarding. It just is the payoff isn't immediate. So it's hard for, it's hard for some people to get involved in it. And I, it was for me just st- starting out, it was daunting to get involved with the habitat side. It was like, well, man, if we do this, this, and this, it's not that difficult to do it, but we might not see results next week, or we might not see results next year. It might be two, three, four years down the road yeah. before we really see the benefits of that. So you have to, you have to kind of engage that part of your brain where you're really thinking, this is a long-term investment that I'm making here on this, this property. And even if you only have a small piece of dirt, I'm in our situation, we only have a hundred acres, but our neighbors to the East own 45, our neighbor to the South owns close to 300. And they're all cool with doing habitat work and fire and all that stuff too. They just, um, they don't have time to do the work. So we're like, you know, would you guys mind if we went in there and burn this section of your property? And they're all good. That's awesome. They're all for it. I love hearing you guys out West talk about your small pieces, a hundred acres. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting here in New Hampshire, like a hundred acres, like, holy crap. That's like a million dollar buy. If not more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like Wisconsin deer hunters up there. They just buy these little five acre, yeah. 10 acre parcels one after another, all the way down through there. And then they hunt right there yeah. in the middle of it. That's all you yep. need sometimes, man. That's it. Just That's it. You don't need much. Know your craft. Yeah, especially with what we're learning about, you know, hens raising broods. And I'm not the expert. You just listed the experts. Um, Those guys know, but dang, it's interesting to see that some of that data, like when once a hen actually does hatch a clutch, where do they go and what types of habitats do they use? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really interesting. Sometimes it's not very big area at all. No, if you can create those, those on your property that could really benefit turkeys. Well, Nick, Nick, uh, Bakner out of Florida and Georgia, it was, you know, I brought up to him about fire. I said, give me the, yeah. the dumbed down, you know, Joe Schmo ex- explanation of fire. And he's like, okay, so you go into this area and it's overgrown and there's no insects and it's just, it looks like it's nice, but it's absolutely worthless to these to these, right. these pults. And another fellow was talking about how the pults, when they hatch, it's not the hen really doing the leading. It's the pults. They're leading the hens and leading them to what they need. So they need this cover and they need to make sure that, you know, overhead predators aren't being able to see them. And they need the they need the insects. And all this is very um uh, purposeful right and then add to that complication that i learned that it seems like 20 percent of the hens nesting hens are the ones doing all the the recruiting it's mind-blowing man that's such a small number of of turkeys on the landscape that are being successful and then add to that now they theorize or there is research that there is a dominant tom in a group of turkeys on a, on a particular area that's only doing like he's only doing the breeding. So when you start thinking about harvesting uh, a turkey, it's like, all right, well don't, don't harvest that dominant Tom. I don't know how the hell you tell who the dominant Tom is, but you, you try to not take one, I guess out of that area, more than one out of that area because he's doing all the work and only 20% of the work's getting completed. That's, that's mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy how they make it. Um, they got a lot of, a lot of odds stacked against them. Completely. There's no, there's no doubt. But and then everything, everything wants to eat them. I'm, everything, everything eats a turkey, man. Yeah. There's no doubt. It's a, it's a little bit different for a deer. 
Although deer do get ate, ate by quite a bit of things too, but not like a turkey. Yeah, it would turkey seem. Turkey and quail are fragile birds, man. They just, uh, they, they've got to have proper habitat and then management and all those things. But that's something that I'm, I'm pretty excited about the future of turkeys and turkey hunting right now, because there has been such an emphasis on that, mm-hmm. you know, in the last couple of years, there's definitely a lot more people now, including myself that are invested in learning about the bird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's this call to action, right? And maybe, and we've talked about it on this program is it's not as, as I guess I want to call it sexy and, and, and positive as like, our, our March to 2000, our push to 2000, right? That reintroduction process 20 plus years ago, yep. putting birds in boxes, letting them out. Like that's sexy as hell. Everyone can, can line up and sit back and watch and film that. But this is a, this is a call to action another way because now the community, the space is recognized. Okay. We have a problem. We can rise to this occasion. We can all work together how we, how we get there and, and, and start doing this stuff and locally thinking, you know, globally, as far as Turkey habitat goes across the country, but then actually putting those practices into work in your own, literally in your own backyard. That's pretty big. Yeah. That's the important part. Yeah. That's a real important part because that landscape's so different across, across the board, you know, habitats are different. Heck, I mean, a habitat on, on, on my family farm of a hundred acres is different than the habitat on a hundred acre property, 30 minutes down the road. Yeah. yeah. Potentially. So it's, it's a, a wide array of, of things that's going on, but yeah, if you take charge on the local level, that's where, that's where the building blocks really start. And oftentimes there's support mechanisms. You just got to kind of find them. I, I recommend starting at the state agency level. I mean, I live in a smaller yep. state, so it's it's it feels like it's easier to get a hold of these people. But even in a big giant state like Montana, I mean, you got folks out there that are just sitting there waiting for people to engage with them. How, how, we can help you. We can you know we can set you up with uh, NWTF seed program and and help you get the seed the right seed for your area and, and planting you know in the right zones and you know we can help go out with our biologists and tell you what's on your landscape and how to maximize what you've already gotten versus, you know, getting rid of this stuff that's junk. And these resources are there. We just got to get people to use them. Yeah. That's right. So as, as we're moving through this, um, I guess we can start trying to pay some bills, right? That's what I like to say. Um, (laughs) You started talking about deer a little bit. So I'll use that as a segue into, uh, into the fall and and like I said, Sawyer at the beginning had reached out and put us in, in contact. And I think it's a it's an apropos time to talk about this, and, and that is tick prevention. We think about it in the spring, obviously, but even more so now when we're getting into the fall seasons. Whether you're upland hunting, whether you're deer hunting, or you're going out for a fall bird, where you're allowed to do that, and if populations allow, God bless you. Um, up here where I live. I hate these damn things, man. We got, you know, Lyme disease, one of the biggest things out here that, that, that is a danger for the hunter, whatever you're hunting, even if you're freaking duck hunting and you got to go through a a field to get to the marsh or get to the ocean line. These little bastards are everywhere. So, you know, what are you guys putting into practice? What are some tips, techniques that you guys as a team are utilizing? You're, You're all over the country. So you're literally facing Lyme, alpha gall and whatever hellish, bacteria is out there in some unknown part of the country that I'm unaware of, but these things do no good as far as I can tell, except feed Guinea fowl and maybe a few birds. What are you guys up to and and, and how are you being safe out there? Um, yeah, I mean, my business partner's wife, she has alpha gal and, uh, Zach, actually my other business partner, he, he had Lyme a couple years ago. Um, and he got it from a trip to the Northeast. He was up there hunting turkeys late season. And for whatever reason, he got bit in the middle of his back and, um, he had Lyme. He had to go through and get doxycycline and all kinds of stuff. And eventually, you know, got rid of it, but he was bad sick for a week and a half, two weeks. Um, so it's no joke and matter. I mean, we always are, we're always worried about ticks, especially, you know, by April, 
into the spring season, we are really concerned about them. And then obviously if, if anybody follows us and what we do, we spend the entire summer scouting for deer and then obviously deer hunting in the early part of the fall. But we treat our pants, our socks, our leather boots, permethrin won't bond to a rubber boot, but we'll treat our leather hiking boots and then lots of socks. I mean, I, I treat, I wear, you know, I don't know what they're called. They're like ankle socks, just your typical cotton sock or, uh, dang it. What's that other pair that I've got that are more expensive? I don't remember which ones they are, but they're, they're high quality socks and, uh, like smart wools and stuff. We treat all of that before turkey season before deer season and then throughout the summer and one treatment won't last a really long time i mean i treated my pants for the summer back in late june and i haven't touched them since Mm. and i don't if if i find a tick on them he's usually you know on the on the the way downhill pretty quick yeah yeah. you just sit there and that it kills them that's the thing that people misunderstand about permester and they look at it like it's off like you just spray it on and it keeps the bugs away, but that's not, a, that's not what it does. It kills the tick. That's right. So if a tick crawls across like a one inch of fabric that's treated with it, he's going to die. It just depends on when, you know, someone may live for 10, 15, 20 minutes after they come in contact with it, but they're going to, they're going to steadily lose their strength to grab on and then eventually fall off your clothing because they're dead. Yeah. And we actually, we actually tested this a couple of years ago. I bought a, some, I bought some cheap painter suit online. It's all white painter suit. It looked like a giant onesie. I mean, I look like a complete moron walking around <laughs> the woods in this thing, but I bought this suit so that we could test it. Uh-huh. And we, we treated the entire suit. And then I walked around and field pulled ticks for an hour or so and then filmed it. And I had, I well, actually, I, I have to step back. We didn't treat the entire suit. We treated half the suit. So we basically put pieces of cardboard across half of the suit and then heavily treated the other half. Yep. And we wanted to see like what would happen, how many ticks would we end up with, you know, on both sides of the suit and the side that wasn't treated. I did find ticks on that were crawling around that were healthy. They probably would have latched on at any point. The side that was treated, I, I found some on, not near as many, and all of them were dying. And it wasn't taking very long. Within a few minutes, they were losing their grip and they were falling off. But since we started using permethrin several years ago, we don't hardly find them on us anymore. No. It's just you got to treat it. You got to use it correctly and treat all of your stuff with it. I mean, we even spray the seats of our truck with it that way if you end up it like i said i don't treat my shirt i treat my pants so if i end up with one on my shirt that's crawling around and i get in the truck to go home and he and he comes in contact with that truck seat well he's in trouble i have ticks in my truck so, for days after a hunt yeah yeah we three days will go by and i'll get in the truck to go to the gym or go pick my kids up at school and i got a damn tick walking on me like how what are you kidding me? That's a good, t- I like that. That's a good tip. Spray your car seats. Now. That's smart. Oh yeah. They, they also recommend that you spray like a blanket or tarp with it. And that if you kill a deer in the early season, put mm. that deer on the tarp. Yeah. Cause what will happen is that any ticks that are on the deer, like from, as you're transporting it from the field to the processor or to your house, the butcher, the ticks on the deer will, they'll start leaving the deer cause it's dead. Right. And they'll come in contact with that cloth or that tarp and it'll kill them. Smart. So then you don't, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can treat your tent, your camping gear with it outside of your sleeping bag. Um, all different kinds of stuff. It's safe for dogs. Um, all, all sorts of stuff. There's, How do you go about putting on your dog? Cause normally like the permethrin, really, you got to spray your clothes and let it dry for, 24 48 hours so it's safe so you the sawyers have a, a product that's okay for critters yeah for dogs cool you just have to read that they'll they'll tell you exactly how to do it you just got to read through their instructions and all that stuff i don't think it's safe for cats until it dries okay but 
That'd be weird. A cat could come into con. Yeah, a cat could come in contact with it once it's dried yeah. on your clothing, and I don't think it would bother them. But the agricultural grade uh, stuff is different. It's a little more potent, and also Sawyer's, I think, is I, I could get this wrong, but I think it's 100% odorless. So if you're worried about using it, mm. you know, in deer season with deer smelling you or whatever, it's 100% odorless. So you don't have to worry about that at all. I mean, the U.S. military uses it. Yeah, dude. So, uh, I used that stuff when I was in the Air Force running around doing training. And it was like, they're like, it was before, like, it was a, a known thing for methorin. And they're like, don't get this on your skin. But BDU is yep. just sprayed up and down because we're going to go live in the... <laughs> the woods for a few days like okay very good roger that yep and that shit worked it was phenomenal um yeah yeah we use it all the time because like you said they're just tick bites or nothing to mess with they're Especially not up where you all live man that's it's that line runs rampant across the appalachians and up into the northeast it's, it's terrible man and if you don't catch it like the what i forget doxycycline or whatever that hellish pill is you want to, if you get whacked with it, that's, it's hell on earth for four weeks going through that antibiotic. Cause man, if you got anything, I mean, anything, it's going to wipe all of it out and you're going to yep. pay for it for a, for a month, but that's better than a long-term effects. I got a cousin that's got that crap and caught it too late. And she, she still battles with stuff to this day. It's just pain oh, yeah. and joint issues and, and whoever knows, I think it, it's got effects on kidneys and liver i think uh it's just it's just bad all around and you know take the take the time to treat your stuff i mean it's not even got to be hunting if you're hearing this I, we got a great audience in france like we we rank really well in france i, I assume ticks are in france so if you're listening uh au revoir but uh you know <laughs> spray your stuff down man it's worth the the money and the couple days of hanging your clothes outside on a line uh I, to not get bit i got bit out in Kansas this spring and there's, there's anecdotal evidence to this. I can't say it's scientific, but the first time in 20 years, I did not have slip on boots and I went out with my, uh, I had a pair of ankle high crispies. I was running. I wanted to break them in and, and test them out. The boots were great. However, uh, not being able to tuck my pants in and my slip ons yeah. friggin' ticks everywhere. And I got whacked twice and I was scared to death because that's Lone Star area where I was. And I was like, and I, they were so damn small. They're little itty bitty seed ticks and it left, left yep. scars. Like I, I got these nasty wounds and scars, but I can still eat meat. So I assume I didn't get that alpha gut, but I've known, I know people with that, like you said, and to watch them go out to eat at dinner is like, it's a pain in the ass. They can't even have yeah. their food come in contact with the same griddle. The other stuff's cooked on because it, they'll freak out and potentially die. No, nah, man, it's nothing to mess with. My, I mean, Mindy, she can't, my, Greg's wife, she can't eat anything that we kill for the most part, except for turkeys. She can eat turkey or chicken, but she can't have any red meat at all. That's a terrible thing for, for a big game hunter to get whacked with that. Yeah. And then I could not imagine having it because I eat deer. You know, we, we eat turkeys, obviously, in the spring, but those don't last all year. Right. Uh, we usually kill, you know, an elk or four or five deer in the fall, and that lasts us most of the year. Yeah. I mean, we eat wild game 80% of the time, yeah. probably. Same here. So I can't imagine, I can't imagine not being able to eat deer meat. No. That would, that would so suck if, uh, if that happened. But yeah, if you just, if you just take 15 minutes, set it outside and spray the stuff on, Wear a pair of rubber gloves if you're worried about it. Spray the stuff on, you know, a couple pairs of hunting pants. We spray half a dozen pairs of socks. And then, obviously, a couple pairs of, of leather, just hiking hunting boots. Then we don't have any we don't have any problems beyond that. And it lasts through a wash, too, which is important. I think a lot of people think yep. they're going to wash it out and waste their money. And uh, that's just yep. not the case. This stuff lasts for forever. Um, oh, yeah, it's great. Another thing you can like, do I'll too. I'll treat my stuff one more time this year, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing folks can do. I know uh, some companies put out these. Sorry, I gotta. All right, 
Sorry, Brett. good to go. All right, no, no trouble. Uh, I was starting to say I know some some companies, some repelling companies, have put out these overly priced uh, tick tubes for a while. Uh, basically, all it is is a is a toilet paper roll. I know they camoed them up and you know marketed them real well. God bless you, but uh, you can do it on the cheap. You can you know grab your mom or your wife's cotton ball. She uses the cleaner fingernails, uh, get the nail polish off, spray that cotton ball or that duff down with the permethrin, let it dry, stuff it in those toilet paper rolls, and then put that stuff all around your yard because it's it's not the deer. Everyone vilifies that don't know. They vilify the deer, you know, deer tick, dog tick, all that. It's, it's the mice. The mice yeah. are the vectors. They carry these these nymph sized ticks. So if you, you gotta research and understand the breeding cycle of ticks and the life cycle, but it's those little itty bitty nymphs that, that end up hooking you up. And they're on the mice, a white footed deer mouse, I believe it is. At least up here. Yeah. And so they run around and they you know, these things get latch on, fall off in the duff. You sit down, you get infected, right? Uh so the tubes, the mice will take that cotton material, whatever, and use it as bedding and they roll around in it. So what, you know, what Aaron just said about the deer tick or whatever ticks falling off his clothes, essentially you're hitting it at the source with the mice and they're dying right off the mice and, you know, in the bedding. So you can do that on the yep. cheap for pennies. Oh yeah. That's another, there's a, I, I just thought like most people, when I started using it, that it was just like, oh, you just sprayed it on and it killed or, and it kept them away, you know, but there's so many other uses for it that I've just learned about recently in the last couple of years it's super handy i mean we spray hammocks with it yeah that we like because right out in front of our house is woods for the most part and we spray our hammocks and just you know because if you're out there chilling in the yard at any point you could have ticks on you but um there's all kinds of different ways you can use it it's handy product yeah if you set up uh i did this in my backyard if you can set up a barrier so, like, you know, if it's bark mulch or stones really good, put that barrier between the edge of the duff and the woods and then your grass. Whatever reason that is, ticks won't come across it. That's a good yeah. that's a good way to start too. And you kind of you can you can decorate that up, plant some flowers, stuff like that, but you can make it look nice. But yeah, man. Get you some guineas or turkeys or chickens. Yeah, yeah. If you got the space, for sure. Guinea fowl yeah. are awesome for that. They eat a ton of ticks. Tons. Yeah, of ticks. guineas do. I'm, they're loud and obnoxious, but they do eat a lot yeah. of ticks. Well, they're built in security <laughs> system, too. You'll know someone's coming up the driveway. <laughs> oh, I know. We had them for years. They would wake me up at 5 30 in the morning. It's a hellacious sound. On the barbecue grill. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. They're pretty birds. Um, yep. Well, Ticks aside, we got a few minutes left here. Um, what's in store for the fall? What are you guys excited about? What's coming out? Uh, talk about <clears throat> the hunting public some more. What can what can fans and, and folks look forward to? Yeah, we're going to be leaving to head out west here shortly in the next week and a half, two weeks. We're going to be hunting whitetails out there early part of the season and then elk um, in mid-September. Then probably in late September and most of October we'll hunt around home. Uh, I'll either be, I'll, I'll probably be in Iowa most of that time. And I'll occasionally every year I, I grab a couple of days down in Missouri to hunt the family farm. I usually get to hunt down there one or two times each fall. So I'll probably try to get down there and do that. But, um, yeah, we're going to be traveling West and then coming back to the Midwest through the middle part of the fall. And then if we fill a tag or two, we'll probably go to some other interesting places like maybe Arkansas again. We might go to the southeast and hunt down there late season. That's always fun. Um, we try to we try to get down there as often as we can. And yeah, if we if we fill a couple tags, we'll probably head to the southeast and then the northeast. Right on. But it all depends. So I mean, you know, deer hunting is a pain in the butt sometimes. It's, it's hard to get on those things. So that's why I'm a turkey hunter, unapologetically. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. I yep. like it's the it's the the bumper sticker slogan. If if I didn't eat them, I wouldn't hunt them, and that rings true for me. I mean, I love watching. I think I love watching deer more than I like going after them because you're right. It's yep. a pain in the ass. So especially up here, yeah. Where, you, oh, yeah. where you're at, maybe not so much. Uh, it would probably be more of an interesting pursuit, knowing. Uh, we got a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of deer around here in, in Iowa and Missouri. There's a 
there's a pile of them. So we don't, we usually don't go hungry, but this year we don't have any left. So yeah. I've been eating brats and pork steaks and stuff the last couple of weeks. I'm like, man, we got to get deer season. We can kill a few of these things. Um, but that's what's in store for us, man. We're good. just uh, ready to get on the road and, and start chasing these critters again. And I we'll probably start hunting and, early september I, well i know we'll start hunting in early september and probably stop right at the end of january awesome. and then we'll flip right over into habitat management and stuff leading right up to convention it's fantastic so yeah that was that's exactly where i was going so i understand you guys are going to be down there so um yep what's what's going on at convention for you guys i know you're giving some seminars i heard you specifically yep. right uh yeah me or me and or the group i'm not really sure i was talking to phil about that not too long yeah. ago um but yeah we're gonna do that we'll have a booth probably in combination with the woodhaven guys cool uh well that's where it was a couple years ago when we were there last so we'll definitely uh we're definitely excited to be back it's been a couple years since we've been down there well, we're heading but into our, our 50th anniversary. This will be our 48th convention and sports show. So um, it's going to be a hell of a time. I know they're, I'm part of a planning committee as well. And I know some big ideas are putting, being put together and, you know, really showing out for, you know, what's going to be our 50th anniversary next year and then going into that and jump off point. So well, folks, awesome. folks are in for a good time. In Nashville, I will also tell everybody listening that if you're planning to come, uh, I think the hotel is 100% sold out the first two nights, and there's hardly anything left uh, for the Saturday night. So, uh, yeah. if you've not made your plans, do so now. Yep, yep, plan ahead because it's going to be fun. Yeah, you guys, uh, you guys uh, do any competitive calling? You guys going to grace the GNC uh, stage? No, nah, I used to, <laughs> and I really had a good time doing it when I was younger, yeah. but I, it got to the point where, man, to be competitive with those guys that are really, really good at it, you've got to, you got to pour your heart and soul into it. Like you got to pour an enormous amount of time into it. Yeah. And I just got to the point for me where I was like, man, I can either learn to do this or I can focus on the video. So I stuck with it. <laughs> I said, I've. I said, I'm getting my butt kicked in the turkey call competition, so I'm going to switch to the video. Something tells but me. I learned a tremendous amount from those guys. Oh, for sure. And some of them guys sound better than the real thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I learned a, a ton about, uh, you know, talking to turkeys just through my time in competition calling. Sure. You know, when I was younger. But I still like watching them. I still like going out there and, and watching them compete because they're phenomenal, like you said. Some of them dudes are, are like magicians. Like you hear a sound yeah. come out of them, but like you look, you try to look at their mouth or whatever they're doing. Like how the hell do you even make that sound? Like I didn't even see his lips move. Yeah. But yeah. right, no, it's because a lot of that air is coming from the diaphragm, yeah. just like it is on a hen. I mean, it's that's that's very similar to what's happening. Like when you can see a hen when she's cutting, yeah, and her back end's kind of bouncing like that because yeah. she's huffing those little sharp bursts of air out of her diaphragm. And that's what, that's why those guys sound so good. Oh, yeah. That's what they spend their time looking at and listening to. So pretty, pretty interested to, to watch another one of those. Yeah. Well, it'll be happening for sure. Um, something tells me you probably made the more lucrative decision going the way of, uh, picking up a camera versus competitive calling. <laughs> well, it wasn't that way for a long period of time. That's for sure. <laughs> but well, it's all good. Yep. Well, we can look forward to that. We can look forward to having you guys down. Um, more likely than not, we'll probably have you guys as a group on or depending on your schedule uh, on our, our live podcast feature down there. So we'll definitely do this again. I know uh, I was talking to Phil like you you said you were, and I know they're, uh, they're excited to have you guys back and, you know, putting the word out that you guys will be giving us uh, some talks. So that should be good for the folks that are down there and Look forward to sitting in on some of the seminars. Do you know what you guys are covering now? You want to put a plug out for it now, or is it still coming together? Still coming together. We haven't really decided. We we discussed a number of different topics that we could we could talk about, but we haven't nailed any any one specific thing down. You know, we definitely 
we definitely want to talk about access, you know, public hunting and stuff like that, or just, just hunting access in general. And, and obviously turkey habitat is pretty important to us in managing for turkeys down the road. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, good deal, man. Good well, we're looking forward to seeing you at convention. Uh, do have a, a wonderful, safe fall. Make sure you're spraying down with your permethrin guys. Like he said, you don't want to not be able to eat red meat. That would suck like forever. Yeah. It would suck. Absolutely. <laughs> so I appreciate what you guys do and, and your support of the NWTF and your messaging and your passion for, for research and, and getting after, you know, some of the, the things that ail us, uh, in, in the Turkey world. And then it's going to take self-starters like yourselves to, to lead that charge and, 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 you know, tell those stories like we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Thanks, Fred. No, nope, it's been a lot it. of fun. Yep. For, we'll, coming on with you. Yeah. We'll definitely do it again. So, uh, until next time, Aaron, we'll see you. Sounds good. See you, man. All right. Thank you, Aaron, for your time. I do appreciate it. I know, uh, like he said, half the team is split up. Western pursuits and people back east or the Midwest are getting going here. So uh, thanks for carving out the time. Thanks to uh, Sawyers for, for reaching out and setting that up. Diving into the TikTok. Ticks are freaking gross, man. I don't. If that did not come across in, in my part of the interview, um, I'm going to declare it now. I hate them. I find no use for them. I'm sure some biologist somewhere will tell me why they matter. Um, I don't care. I find them repulsive. Uh, the nasty diseases they, they, they carry in their unholy bodies and give to us just out there minding our business, trying to uh, do good stuff. <laughs> it's just, it makes no sense. I know, like I think I might have said, uh, the guinea fowl like them. Some, some birds like them. Pretty sure there's other stuff there that those birds can make a living on. If, if the good Lord would just cast them out of existence, that would be super awesome. At any rate, the big takeaway is, is take care of yourself, right? So as we discussed, you know, uh, treat your stuff. Use that permethrin. It's it's there. The technology is available to you. I know there's some other, I think some camos out there that have some of this stuff pre-treated. If you're using that stuff, great. You may want to put an extra layer in there just to make sure you have a redundant system in place. But, you know, take it seriously. You do not want to end up with some... BS disease and you like Lyme or alpha gall and you can't either eat the red meat or you're just in constant pain because you didn't catch it quick enough. Um, nasty stuff there, but um, spray your stuff. Check out Sawyer's. We got a lot going on at the Federation, guys. If you didn't know, new website, new content, but constantly going up on our socials. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter. Visit them all, follow them, like them all. Our field staff has has re, it seems like rewritten the book on the availability of amazing events. It's almost wall to wall coverage, uh, January to December. There's always something going on. So uh, I think gone are the days of you know getting into a, your your local banquet pre uh, pre turkey season. There's always something going on. So if you did miss an event in the spring, well, certainly check out the calendar now because these guys are guys and gals are so busy out there with our volunteer leaders, just executing amazing fundraising events, keep this, this train going and, 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 and providing for mission delivery. I'm sure you guys saw that we got a, a whole bunch of funding, uh, approved for some major projects and we're posting that stuff up, uh, on social as well. So go check those articles out They're They're quick reads, definitely worth your time to educate yourself and understand people constantly. I remember when I was an RD, where's my money go? Why, how do I see this? Where do I see that? Man, it's there. This stuff's all literally at your fingertips. Uh, I'd invite you to go there. Check that out on, on the social platforms. Go to the new website. Uh, we're going to have some tutorials uh, coming up. Show you how to navigate the new website. It's pretty intuitive. It's a pretty simple place. But, you know, I know some people have some challenges. So we're going to have some some infographics coming out, some tutorials. So, you know, follow along. Uh, create If you're a member, you can get your, your new login and all that. And, uh, you know, have a good experience there. Um, membership, 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 man. That's the you guys make this thing work. Every bit of it. So uh, if you're if you're new and you're finding this France again, what's up? Bonjour. Uh, we are. This thing is great in France. I, it's awesome. French French folks we will take your membership too. Uh, we're happy to be in an international organization uh, have been for many years and uh, certainly would love to have your, your membership. If you're a conservationist at heart, sign up. 
if you're if you're new, you know, like I said, you're hearing this, go sign up right now. Do it. Uh, there's some great offers out there, some incentives, uh, gifts available to you, so you can check those out. Pick one, pick two, pick three, pick them all. Uh, make great gifts for uh, upcoming holidays and, and such. So, uh, but your membership's important. If you're a current member, you want to, like I think one of the new ads said, you want to get in on one of those, there's nothing stopping you. They're not exclusive to new members. Um, if you're currently within a year of membership and you want to spend another 35 bucks, do so. Uh, it would extend your membership by that much. Uh, it also goes to your life to date giving. I don't know if a lot of people understand there are different levels of membership. And uh, if you're looking to achieve that first level of major donor that lets silver life and then go into diamond and so on, uh, every $35 or every time you buy tickets to uh, the banquets and, and you get your memberships or your sponsor memberships, this is all cumulative and it all goes somewhere um, for you as, as recognition. So, you know, don't, don't necessarily look at it as I just signed up. Look at it as I'm extending and I'm adding to uh, a legacy that I'm leaving. So, Highly encourage you to do that, guys. Check that out. Conservation Week 2022 is, is upcoming. So in the coming episodes, uh, that's going to be our theme, building up to that and then bringing you uh, sights and sound from, uh, the, from the field, from experts, from uh, personalities in the space, uh, all in the spirit of conservation, what we do, why we do it. Um, probably revisit some turkey symposium points and get some of those folks to to contribute as well so real exciting content uh just gonna come at you here over the next month or month and a half and uh, that's gonna be it with that be safe shoot straight if you're going out there take care of each other love each other until next time see ya Signing up for that NWTF membership for the first time or renewing? The time is now, guys. We have three great offers for you. Currently, we are offering the Mossy Oak Bottomland Cooler, the NWTF Trunk Organizer. Recently, we are offering the Hat and Knife Combo. Head to our Facebook and Instagram. Check out those great offers. You can sign up through those links on those posts for the one, two, or three items you want. You can get them all if you'd like. If you're currently a member and it's not time to renew, go ahead and sign up and extend that membership. You can get the gift of your choice. Like I said, all three are a great option. They're fine pieces. Go to our socials now. Sign up, renew, extend. Thanks for your support. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? If not... Pause this podcast, head there now. You're feeling inspired. You need a new hat, a new t-shirt. We got everything there. All the freshest gear for the NWTF member, the NWTF fan. We got a new collection of hats, folks. Go there, check them out now. New men's and ladies collections coming for the fall. That's shop.nwtf.org. Go there for all your lifestyle NWTF gear and more accessories, kids stuff. We got you covered going into the holiday season. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there now.